here we go, everybody. Another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on a Wednesday, May 30th, 2018. Kicking off the show, a little echo in the Bunnymen with Rescue. As uh, we get to a big show, baseball-centric, we'll take a trip around the major leagues. We'll talk about some potential trade talk, uh, trade targets. We'll also get into the NBA, a little finals redo between the Cavs and the Warriors. We'll look back at the pivotal Game 7s in both of those uh, in the, the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, but I chose Rescue because the New York Metropolitans are certainly in need and desperate and dire need of rescuing right now. It has been nothing short of an atrocious week since we last did the show. Of course, I was somewhat cautiously optimistic last week, and now, of course, uh, all that optimism has been uh, flushed away, and rightfully so. And look, I'm the first one to tell you that the baseball season is a marathon, not a sprint, and you can't get too hung up on a series or maybe sometimes even a week, but let's call it what it is. Since the 11-1 start, the Mets have played 10 games under 500, and they've sprung leaks everywhere. The bullpen has been the, 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 the biggest culprit lately. For a long time, it was uh, very ineffective and inconsistent starting pitching, save for DeGrom and Syndergaard, uh, and not a lot of hitting. Well, the bats have woken up somewhat, and now... Um, Injuries, of course, have crept in again. Mets have 11 guys on the DL somehow, incredibly. Even though they changed the, the uh, training staff and they changed their quote-unquote protocols and the new manager and the new pitching coach and the whole new staff, and it's the same old crap. And look, again, you can try to mask certain things. Guys can get hot for a little while. You can have the right matchups face the right teams at the right time, like when the Mets swept a a, a reeling at the time, Arizona Diamondbacks team. But the issues with this team are much deep, run much deeper than the recent spate of injuries. Yesterday being the classic Metsian double whammy, where during the day, out of the blue, it's announced that Noah Syndergaard's going on the DL to miss supposedly only one start with some sort of a, a tendon strain in his middle finger on his pitching hand. Um, and by the way, how many times as Met fans have we heard this before, right? No big deal. No big deal. And then, you know, the guy's out for a month, two months, or the, the whole season. So I'll believe Syndergaard's pitching again when I see it. And then yesterday, in the game against the Braves, or last night, rather, Stephen Matz, who looked like he may be turning a corner recently, right? He'd been better lately. Three shutout innings. Mets gave him a 4 nothing lead. Comes out to start the, uh, the, the bottom of the fourth. Looks down at his hand. Catcher goes out. They call out the training staff, the manager. That's it for Steven Matz. His night's done. He's got some sort of a finger injury as well, which he hurt, by the way, swinging the bat and hitting a, and in that bat where he, by the way, doesn't wear batting gloves. Lost control of the bat. Bat went flying out of his hands on, on a foul ball earlier in that bat. Then he hit a double down the line, um, but got hurt swinging the bat. This is now... <laughs> 
the second time this year, a Mets starter has to miss at least one start due to an injury from not pitching, mind you, but by hitting. DeGrom hurt his, uh, his, his elbow, right? Hyperextended his elbow swinging the bat, and now Mats hurt his finger swinging the bat. Only the Mets. I mean, you cannot make this up. Only the Mets this happens to. Two pitchers missing starts due to injuries incurred while hitting. And they didn't get hit by pitches. It's while swinging the bat. Michael Conforto last year ripped his shoulder apart swinging the bat. I mean, the Mets can't even execute the most basic and fundamental plays in baseball without getting hurt. I've, it, it's incredible. And yes, to be fair, that is not Sandy Alderson's fault. That's not Mickey Calloway's fault. But what I will say is Sandy Alderson's fault is that when injuries have hit, the Mets have nothing in reserve. Because in the seven years that he has been here, the drafts have yielded very little in the way of either position players or pitching. And then, and when, and pitching, starting pitching, certainly, right? And look at how bad, other than maybe 2015 and 2016, look at how bad the Mets' bullpens have been since Sandy Alderson has been here. And this year is no exception. And I don't want to hear about guys got, you know, guys have been injured. Now A.J. Ramos is on the DL. A.J. Ramos has been awful. We'll get to Mickey Calloway's ridiculous managing in the Milwaukee series in a second. But A.J. Ramos has been terrible. It's a blessing in disguise that he's on the DL. He has 14 walks in 19 innings. And he's got a whip of about almost two. He's been nothing short of wretched, which is a surprise to nobody, by the way, who pays attention to baseball because he's never been very good. Jacob Ramey, or Rom, whatever his name is, R-H-A-M-E, who they got for Curtis Granderson last year, has been on you know, the Las Vegas shuffle, flushed away the game last night. Now, to be fair to him, and we'll get to this other issue in a second, some wretched defense played behind him last night. Awful. Absolutely awful. Which has also, by the way, been a hallmark of the Mets since Sandy Olsen has been here. Is guys playing out of position and therefore horrendous defense. And, and, and it doesn't show up necessarily in the way of errors, which is, by the way, another reason why all these analytics people can go stuff it, okay? Because these plays don't show up as errors. These are plays that need to be made by major league teams the Mets are not making. We'll, I'll, I'll, I'll break them down in a minute. And, I mean, Alderson traded for, what, 19 relievers last year at the trade deadline? Not one of them is any good. Not one. One of them is on, and by the way, it's not 19, but it was about eight. Right? They got three from the Red Sox for Addison Reed. They got Drew Smith back for Lucas Duda. That's four. They got Rain back for, for Granderson. That's five. They got the, 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 the shortstop or outfielder or whatever that they turn into a pitcher for Bruce. That's six. And they might have got, and maybe I think they got one for Neil Walker. They, I think they got seven relievers. One is on the roster right now, Jacob Rame, and he's not any good. 
and all the other guys are in the minors. Oh, no, sorry. Her son, Bautista, who gave up the game-losing home run last night, is also now on the roster. He's been up and down a little bit. He was part of the Addison Reed trade. So, I mean, again, the mismanagement of this roster from drafting and developing talent to the lazy and uninspired free agent signings that occurred in the offseason, Jason Vargas, Jay Bruce, Todd Frazier, Anthony Swarzak, the Filene's basement, the Marshall's shopping that Sandy loves to do, and the Wilpons sign off on wholeheartedly. And this is the result. A 500 team that's not even really a 500 team because they played 10 games under 500 for 42 games. Let's get to the defense first, last night. So in that inning, in the eighth inning, Mets leading 6-3. After Jerry Blevins came in and gave up another run, by the way, he's been nothing short of atrocious also. Yet Mickey Callaway thought it wise to bring him in twice in the Brewers series to replace Gesellman, who's been the Mets arguably, if not their top reliever, their second best reliever. Okay, did that twice in the Brewers series. Mets lost both those games where they had leads. The Friday night game was, was unthinkable, what, 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 what he did. Um, then he compounded it again on Monday against the Braves in, in the first game of the doubleheader where he let Lugo in because he said, well, he was going to pitch two innings anyway. Who, who makes, how do you make a decision before the game on how you're going to use your bullpen when you don't see what the situation is? Had Lugo come in in the game in the eighth inning with the Mets, by the way, at the time had, had a 2-1 lead, had, had he come in and been lights out, a 1-2-3 inning, I could maybe see justifying letting him pitch the ninth or at least start the ninth because it was a doubleheader and you might need Familia in the second game. But don't you have to go win the game you can win at that time and you worry about the, 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 night, the night cap then? But no, they decided Lugo was pitching two innings anyway. Okay. So Lugo gave up a run based on his own bad fielding, by the way. Leadoff hitter uh, tried to get on with a bunt hit. Lugo got to the ball in plenty of time, made a terrible throw to first base. Guy gets on. Then he gives up a home run to someone named Charlie Culberson on a 1-2 hanging slider, his third best pitch, by the way, to walk off. Walk the leadoff hitter, by the way, in the ninth inning. Always a wise idea. Now, the Mets did bounce back in the second game in 1-8-5. Great. Last night's game, Matt's out. Paul Seawold comes in, gives up two runs immediately. Second inning, actually, he shut him down. Blevins came in. I think got, got a couple of outs, then gave up a couple of hits. Then Rain came in, and all hell broke loose. But, to be fair, he gave up back-to-back hits in the bottom of the eighth with the Mets up 6-3. Next guy up, Dansby Swanson, hits a pop fly to center field that's in the air for about an hour. First of all, Michael Conforto, I'd love to know why he was playing basically with his back scraping against the center field wall. He was playing absurdly deep. You don't play deep in that situation. And then he's, and, 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 and the ball was still in the air for way too long to not be caught. And he came in and look, he tries. I'm not talking about his effort. His effort is fine. 
The bottom line is Michael Conforto is not a center fielder, which is why you don't sign Jay Bruce in the offseason because it's the lazy, easy thing to do because you had him here last year and he played well for you last year. He doesn't fit. I've been saying it all year. You need a real center fielder. And I don't want to hear about, oh, well, Juan Lagares was supposed to be the late in it. No, no. No. Juan Lagares, by the way, he's hurt every year he's played for the Mets. This year, there's no exception. And another one, by the way, dislocated his toe running into the wall in a game that Mets will do that dreary Wednesday rain game against the, the Blue Jays when they lost like 12-2 to or 14-2 to or whatever the hell it was. Oh, MRI negative. He'll be fine. Oh, oh, oh sorry. Ex- ex- except for the fact that he's going to be out for the whole year. Oops, our, our bad. Our bad. Classic Mets. So that loads the bases because, you know, the runner on second thought for all the world it was going to be an out. Of course it wasn't. Next batter up hits a ground ball. Should be an easy 4-6-3 double play. I mean an e- uh, 6-4-3 double play. Easy. Except, as Drupal Cabrera, who by the way has been the Mets' best hitter. He had two more home runs last night. He has 10. He's hitting over 300. He's been great. Except last night he had a horrible at-bat when the Mets really needed it. But we'll get to that later. But for the most part, he's been fantastic. He's having a career year. But he tweaked his knee, which he's want to do. He always has knee issues. Right? Tweaked his knee about a week ago. He cannot move laterally at second base. He cannot get to anything. He didn't have good range to begin with. And now that he's compromised due to this injury, it's laughable. And so instead of going a second, taking the throw, the feed from Rosario, planting and firing it over to first base, he tried to catch and throw in all one motion because he can't plant, I guess, on that leg. Weak throw to first, and the guy beat it out. So instead of two outs and one guy on, it's first and third and one out. And then Inciarte hits a ball off the wall that Conforto completely misplays. The ball ricochets past him, plays it into a triple, two-run score. Tie game, and right then and there, you, you thought you probably knew the Mets were going to lose, except for the fact that they got the two. Their two, they got the first two guys on in the top of the ninth. Rosario with a hit, Nimmo got hit by a pitch. And then Cabrera comes up in a tie game in the top of the ninth. He's hit two home runs in the game already. He's been their best hitter, and he tries to bunt on the first pitch. And it was ball, by the way. The pitch was a ball. would have been called a ball. It was way high and outside, and he fouls it off. So now he's already got himself bad, bad in the count. He works the count to two and one, then he swings at ball three and ball four to strike out. Awful at-bat by Cabrera. Awful. And look, I know he's been great. That was a terrible at-bat. And then because... Uh, Mickey, with his genius double switching, switched Joey Bats out of the game for the great Jay Bruce, who stinks, by the way. Has to pitch hit Luis Guillorme with first and second. He hits a fielder's choice, almost a double play, and then Conforto strikes out to end the game. Horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. In the first game, on, on the game on Monday, Mets had two guys picked off. Uh, two guys picked off on the bases. One of whom was Conforto. Several plays in the field not made. Can't get a sacrifice bunt down. I mean, this team's a laugh. It's laughable. What a joke this team is. See, you can maybe get away with having zero fundamentals if you've got talent all over the place, but the Mets don't. They have to do all the little things right. And I understand this is not. 
exclusive to the Mets. This is a, a problem all around Major League Baseball. I get it. I don't care. That's no excuse. Callaway talked a big game in spring training about fundamentals. Mets fundamentals are as bad, if not worse, than they were under Terry Collins. So, but this is what the Mets love to do under Alderson. You've got Conforto playing out of position in center when Nimmo should be playing center field. And I don't care what all the stat nerds and analytics geeks and all the scouts say that Nimmo can't play center field. They also said he wasn't going to be a good enough hitter either. And he's been the Mets' best hitter except for Cabrera. He spent most of his time in the minors playing center field. Let him play center. I'm not saying he's Willie Mays, but he's better than Conforto. Conforto's a lousy center fielder. And when you're going to play Jose Reyes at third base, how about this? Don't. Especially when Cabrera is compromised like he is now. Move Cabrera over to third where he played last year, which, by the way, remember Mets fans and Mets management when Cabrera didn't want to play second base? He wanted to play third? So especially now, move Cabrera to third and let Reyes play second. Reyes is much better at second than he is at third. And Cabrera is much better at third than he is at second. It's so obvious. And yet the Mets won't do it. Only, uh, only they can tell you why. I have no idea. So, look, Callaway is one of these guys going to drive me crazy all year with his, his rote answers about statistics and matchups, blah, 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 matchups, blah, 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 numbers. That's Mickey Callaway pretty much after every game. And I understand he needs to sort of be a calm, display a calm demeanor after the games, right? He can't be doing the ship is sinking. I, I understand that. But it's getting real tired. You know, oh, another tough one. I mean, we are, we are, we are quickly entering Art Howe territory here. And the thing about Callaway also is that he's using small sample sizes as his justifications for these terrible bullpen decisions. Now look, I get it. Last night he was hamstrung a little bit with Matt's having to come out of the game after three innings. I understand. But once you see Jacob Rahm is, is, is clearly doesn't have it, and you've got Kasselman warming up, you've got to get him out of there. I mean, the Mets bullpen has flushed away about four, four wins in the last week here. It's been awful. Throwing that horrible game against the Nationals, by the way, this is, where, this is when it all came crashing down. And I remember, I think I did a podcast the day after, maybe a couple days after that game, where they led 6-1. Another game, by the way, that they wasted another great start by DeGrom, just like they did Monday. DeGrom now, the Mets are 5-6 and six somehow in games DeGrom has started this year. He's got a 152 ERA. And for the 23rd time in his career, out of like 118 career starts, he left a game in position to get a win and, and got a no decision. Mets baseball, ladies and gentlemen. So, look. And, of course, Todd Frazier still on the DL. Cespedes still on the DL. No, no timetable, nothing. They have no idea when they're coming back. I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke. Those guys are supposed to be out for a week. They've been out for almost a month now. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a clown show. I mean, it's the same thing. I know I sound like a broken record. But nothing ever 
changes. Which leads me to my next point, which is, by the way, mea culpa, shame on me. You know, since, since there's basically a rain delay in every game now the Mets play for about the last two weeks, they show a lot of these fantastic finishes from various seasons. So they've been doing like 06, 07, 08. You know, the, 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 those years where the Mets were really good. Obviously, 07, 08, they had the two terrible collapses late. But th- that, those lineups the Mets were trotting out then, Reyes in his prime, Wright in his prime, Beltran, Delgado. I mean, just those four alone. And I never warmed to Carlos Beltran. And you know what? Shame on me. Who the hell do I think I am? I would give my left pinky for Carlos Beltran, that version of Carlos Beltran, to be on this Mets team right now. How dare I? I'm an embarrassment. What a spoiled little brat I was. I mean, I get it. These are highlight games that they're showing. You know, he had a ton of big hits. He had that game against the Astros where he made that ridiculous catch running up them when they used to have that stupid hill in center field about 430 feet away from home plate, and he made an absurd over-the-shoulder running catch to keep the game tied and then got a game-winning hit in extra innings that year. That game against the Cardinals that I'll never forget when I was out with my buddies and Pujols hit two bombs off John Main, a grand slam and a three-run homer, I think, in his first two at-bats. And the Mets were down 7 nothing. And then Bel- uh, Delgado hit a grand slam to get the Mets back in it. And then uh, Beltran hit a walk-off off Isringhausen when Isringhausen was one of the top closers in the game. I mean, it, it, Beltran was a stud. And I didn't appreciate him, and I'm a dope. I'm an absolute dope. And you know what? To, I will say the one thing that never really bothered me was that called strike three in 06. It was a ridiculously good pitch by Wainwright. Sometimes you just got to tip your cap. The, the Mets didn't lose that series in 06 because of Carlos Beltran. They lost it because David Wright couldn't get a clutch hit that whole series. Uh, Yadier Molina hit a home run off, off, off uh, Heilman. Billy Wagner gave up a home run to that, that uh, So Taguchi. And Sean Green didn't make three plays in right field that he should have made. So, you know, everybody loved to focus on Beltran being the go to that series. Far from it. So, but shame on me for not appreciating his time as a Met. So, look, what are the Mets to do now moving forward? Listen, I would say the Mets should have, if I trusted Sandy Alderson in his front office, which I don't, and there's no reason to, given the track record over the past seven years, but if I did, if I had a GM whom I felt confident in and was capable, I would open up a for sale sign on City Field, everyone is available. Nobody is not up for discussion. Yes, Michael Conforto, I'm looking at you. You have been nothing short of awful so far this year, both at the plate, in the field, and on the bases. Ahmad Rosario, talk to me. He's available. Syndergaard, he's available. DeGrom, available. Now, you'd have to give me a ton to get guys like that. You'd have to do what Cashman did and totally fleece somebody the way Cashman did when he traded a role to Chapman who was a rental by the way for Glaber Torres but anybody and everything should be on the table right now for the Mets this team is bad it's a bad team it's a poorly 
constructed team. They're going to, you know, again, I mean, only Sandy Alderson thinks it's wise to build your team around pitching, but then ignore the defense completely. It's amazing. Yes, Adrian Gonzalez is an upgraded first base over Lucas Duda. He can't get to anything. He has no range, but yes, he's great around the bag, no doubt. And he's actually hit pretty well, too, to be fair. But we already talked about Cabrera at second. Ahmed Rosario, uh, the next time he makes a play going his left on a ball uh, somewhat up the middle between the bag and shortstop will be the first. He never gets to anything. Half the time it's because he's positioned way too deep in the hole. That's the other thing, too. With all these analytics, right? The Mets are supposed to be Mr. Analytics team now. Their defensive positioning could not be worse. Couldn't be worse. Balls that you think are surefire double plays aren't. Balls that should be easily caught in the outfield aren't. You know, whoever's playing third base, now that Frazier's been uh, on the DL, has been a disaster there. Giorme can field, but he can't hit. He's a great fielder. Got great hands. He's not really a third baseman. He's a second baseman or a shortstop. And the outfield defense right now is bad. I mean, Conforto should not be playing center field. Shouldn't. Nimmo should be in, in, in center. Conforto in right and Cespedes in left when he comes back. If he ever comes back. I mean, look, nobody loves Cess more than I do. And I'll always be grateful for that run he gave us in 2015. But, I mean, it's getting to be a little ridiculous now. I mean, he, he and Steven Matz, these guys are chiseled out of stone, yet they are complete and utter China dolls. It's incredible. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. Okay, we are back here on a Wednesday edition of Jamal About Sports. So, look, getting back to the Mets, uh, I, you know, again, it's never going to happen because the Wilpons don't really care, right? I mean, we've been over this uh, ad nauseum. Uh, but they don't care. I mean, they say they want to win. They give the appearance that they want to win. They, they, they don't really care. They really don't. Because if they did, Sanyo Orson would be out. And they'd be on the phone with the Yankees or the Astros or the Cardinals or the Cubs or one of these other teams that wins all the time. All right, the Astros don't win all the time, but they've been very good lately. But the Yankees win all the time. The Cardinals win all the time, right? The Red Sox win most of the time. Go get somebody from one of those organizations, please, that's young and hungry and, and, and is forward-thinking and understands that we're in New York and we're not the Pirates or the Twins with our bargain basement nonsense. And again, if you're going to go that route, that's fine. You don't have to sign a million high-priced free agents to be good. But then you better draft well, and the Mets have done a terrible job on their Sandy Alderson of drafting slash developing talent. So if you got me somebody from one of those organizations, then I would say, you know what, trade everybody. But with Alderson here, I don't trust him to make the right decisions. So, I mean, look at the junk he brought back last year at the deadline. And, and by the way, an organization bereft 
of position players to the extent where when the Mets needed a right-handed hitting outfielder, they didn't have one at AAA they could call up. So they were forced to go sign Joey Bats, Jose Bautista. Now, to be fair, Bautista's been very good so far in a very small sample size, but that's beside the point. The point is they had nowhere, they were forced to do that. They had no other options. It's ridiculous. So, you know what? You may as well hope that they catch lightning in a bottle just like 2015, that Cespedes and Frazier come back and stay healthy the rest of the year and both get raging hot, that Conforto gets raging hot, that Jay Bruce and his pathetic three home runs gets hot, that Rosario continues to improve, and that the pitchers can stay healthy for more than four seconds. But, I mean, history and recent history as your guide... There's no reason to expect that to happen, but you may as well hope. And then if it doesn't, right, Sandy's probably going to step down after this year anyway. But the Wilpons better not be promoting somebody from within to take that job. I'm sorry. There is no way. It's like when the Lions finally got rid of Matt Millen and then they promoted Martin Mayhew as a GM full time. It's the same, same thing. Now, has Alderson been as uh, historically bad as Matt Millen? No, nobody could be that bad. Maybe Isaiah Thomas when he's GM of the Knicks, maybe. But, I mean, if, you, if, if all it takes is one World Series appearance, the second wild card game in seven years, and every other year you're non-competitive. See, that's the other thing. When the Yankees don't make the playoffs, at least they battle their asses off. At least they're competitive. Joe Girardi willed that team to 84 wins one year. If that were the Mets, they would have won 70 games. And one trade that makes a ton of sense is familiar to the Astros. That Astros bullpen is flat-out hot garbage. Giles, I've I've been saying for, what, two years now? You can't trust that guy in a big spot. So much so that last night in a 5-3 game in the night, they brought in Devensky instead. He, of course, surrendered a game-tying two-run homer to Brett Gardner after walking leadoff hitter. And granted, yes, was it one of those cheapy Yankee Stadium right field wall scraper home runs? It was. Doesn't, doesn't matter. You know what? The Astros playing in the same game in that stadium, too. You, 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 one of you guys hits one of the home one of One of the Astros players can hit a home run like that, too. And then, you know, Brad Proud as a peacock came in and, you know, flushed the game away late, too. I mean, a game in which the Yankees committed five errors and the Astros had, you know, one of their best pitchers on the mound, although all five of their starters, you could say that about, and Charlie Morton, and he was okay. He gave up two home runs, three runs in six innings, did strike out ten, looked dominant at times. But see, here's the thing. Look at the Yankees and look at the Mets, Right? Forget about Stanton, right? Because the Mets, I mean, remember, the Mets weren't even in on Stanton. Wasn't even a consideration. In fact, Sandy Olsen made some snide comment that, well, why would we be interested in Stanton? We have Brandon Nimmo. <laughs> oh, Sandy, you got jokes, huh? Sandy's got jokes. See, Sandy, when you stink at your job, you don't get to be glib. As my buddy Mike likes to say, hey, Sandy, how about you get out of your rocking chair and turn off your AMC classics like Casablanca with your little cup of tea next to you and your, and your cardigan and get up off your ass and actually be aggressive and creative and build a team the right way. <laughs> Not happening. 
But I mean, look at look at the Yankees. Mets don't have anybody like Judge. Forget about Stanton. And I know Stanton's not even playing that well for the Yankees this year. And it does. And by the way, it doesn't even matter. Imagine if the Mets got Stanton and he had a bad year. They would be done because that's all they would do. But the Mets don't have an Andujar. They don't have a Torres. Hell, they don't even have a Brandon Drury. I mean, Nimmo and Conforto are it. And I like Brandon Nimmo as much as anybody, believe me. But it also has taken him seven years to get to the big leagues because he was a high school kid out of Wyoming where they don't even play baseball. And Conforto, look, he looked great when he got called up in 15. He had an okay 16. Got sent back down to the minors at one point. Was having a very good year last year until the injury. He's been terrible this year. He just has. I can't sit here and tell you. I want him to be a superstar, but I can't sit here and tell you unequivocally that he is. He hasn't done it for long enough yet. And the Mets being the Mets, I would bet on the latter that he's not going to be a superstar. Now, look, is the Yankees pitching not great? Okay. Yankees will make a trade. They'll go, we'll get, go, they'll go get Cole Hamels or somebody like that. They'll make a trade at the deadline. Fortify that staff. I mean, look, we saw it. We've seen it now the last few years. You need two good starters and, like, two good guys out of the bullpen, basically, that are hot at the right time. And, the, you know, the Chapman is still really good. I mean, he gets a little, you know... He can have some issues from time to time, but he's still pretty good. He's better than most. You know, Robertson's been eh this year. Batantis has had his issues this year. You know, Canley was on the DL. He's come back. Hasn't been great. I mean, the Yankees' bullpen, which is supposed to be a huge strength for them, it's been okay. Hasn't been great. Severino's been very good. The rest of the rotation's been up and down. Sonny Gray's mostly been a disaster. Tanaka, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. Same thing with CC. You know, the Teutonic one, German uh, Domingo. No, wait, is it? Uh, maybe I'm getting his name wrong. The young kid that the Yankees have called up. I mean, you can see at least he's got he's got good stuff. He's got an arm. He'll probably turn into a good pitcher. He's, he's like Severino was when Severino first came up. But they're fine. I mean, the Yankees. Uh, we said this a million times. The regular season for the Yankees is about winning the division and staying healthy. That's it. That's all it is. You're making the playoffs. The question is, is it going to be a wild card or win the division? The Red Sox are going to be a formidable foe. I mean, Christ, Clint Frazier is in the minors for the Yankees right now. He'd be starting the outfield for the Mets. He can't even crack their lineup. Brandon Jewelry would be starting at third base or second base for the Mets right now. He's in the minors for the Yankees. Even little Reynaldo or Reynaldo, whatever the hell his name is, Torres, the little 5'6 guy, who's been a good player for them, he's in the minors. I mean, the Yankees have more players than they know what to do with. The Mets can't find anybody that's any good. But again, because that's an organization that wants to win. And they do what is required to win. See, that is the difference. Yes, of course, everybody, quote-unquote, wants to win. 
But will you do what's required to win? The Mets will not. Again, they like to give the appearance that they're trying so they can fool their fans into false hope and showing up at the ballpark and lining the Wilpons' pockets. $38 for parking, $12 for a beer. I mean, it's ridiculous. All right. Let's go around the majors, take a quick look here. So, AL East, I mean, it's, it's barely, it's basically, it's, it's not even worth discussing, right? It's the Yankees and the Red Sox. Red Sox are 39 and 17, Yankees are 34 and 17. Tampa Bay, give them credit, at least, with no team, they're 27 and 26. And the AL Central, you've got the Indians finally coming back, uh, playing well. 7 and 3 in the last 10, 1 5 in a row, they're 29 and 25. Next closest team are the Tigers at 24 and 30. Twins have really fallen off a cliff here, or at 22 and 28. And the Indians also, by the way, could be a formidable opponent in the, in the postseason as well. They get healthy, they get everybody right. I mean, they're getting a great year out of Lindor, getting a great year out of Michael Brantley. Ramirez is having a great year. And Carnosion starting to heat up. Yonder Alonso starting to heat up. They picked up Melky Cabrera. He hasn't hit for them yet, but I mean, the guy's been a good, solid professional hitter his whole career. And they get that starting pitching with Bauer and Carrasco and Kluber and then Miller and Allen in the, in, in, in the, in the bullpen. I mean, they're, they're formidable. And in the West, look, Astros 35-21. and 21, I mean, really good. You'd expect the record with a plus-125 run differential, which is what they have. You'd expect the record to be a little bit better than 35-21. and 21, But, again, you know. You're not complaining 14 games over 500. The Mariners give them a ton of credit. 33 and 21, and give their GM Jerry DePoto a ton of credit. Went out and made a trade. Hey, Sandy Alderson, guess what? Teams do make trades before the trade deadline. You know, it's a tired old trope from Sandy, which is, well, we can't do anything because nobody's willing to make any trades right now. Except the Mariners just went and got Alex Colomay, uh, Jesus Colomay, Alex Colomay, whatever, the, 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 the closer for the, for the Rays, and Denard Span from the Rays. So, you know, we talked about Diaz, the closer for the Mariners last week, I think, or two weeks ago. Let's make, let's, we already have a strength. Let's make it even stronger. So now, Cole May can close. He can set up. And with D. Gordon getting hurt, now we can go out and, 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 and plug, uh, plug him, uh, Denard Spann, into center field. I mean, D. Gordon was moved back to second base to replace Cano, who got suspended, but then D. Gordon himself got hurt. But meanwhile, the Mariners haven't missed a beat. They're 33-21, and 8-2 and two in the last 10. And the Angels have kind of underachieved with all the Otani hype and hoopla and Mike Trout leading the league in home runs with 18. They're still only five games over 500 at 30-25 and because their starting pitching isn't that great, nor is their bullpen. They're going to have to make a deal at some point as well to improve both. And look, in the National League East, there the Braves sit at 32-22 and 22 in first place. The Nats are 31-22. and 22. They've gotten their act together. Plus, they got Dan Murphy coming back, I think, uh, towards the end of this week, around the weekend. The Phillies are 30-22. and 22. The Phillies will not last. I'm just telling you right now. I, I understand Arietta's been very good for them. Nola's been very good. Pavetta has been good. Their starters have been good. Uh, that lineup is not very good. Uh, Odubel Herrera is not going to get on base every game for the rest of the year. Um, 
And then they're the Mets sit at 26 and 26. We talked about them, of course. And in the AL Central, Brewers, 35 and 21, probably the best bullpen in the National League. Starting staff, not great, but they can hit, and they got a great bullpen. Cubs kind of treading water a little at 29 and 22. Cardinals, 29 and 23. Pirates have come back down to earth. They're only 28 and 26. Two and eight in the last 10. Haven't played well. And then out in the West, here come the Dodgers. Said it last week. If you think they're dead, think again. Yes, they're only 25 and 29, but they're 7 and 3 in their last 10. They've got Justin Turner back. They're going to get Kershaw back. Bueller stepped in and pitched very well for them. Dodgers are going to be just fine. Look, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks both had a chance to bury the Dodgers. They didn't take advantage of it. Rockies are in first place at 30 and 25. And the Diamondbacks are in second at 28 and 26. You know, after that great start, the Diamondbacks were what? They won their first however many series. They really struggled. So that's your big picture in Major League Baseball. All right. We will do one last break, and we'll be back with the NBA right after these. All righty. We are back. Jamal about sports. So, NBA Finals. Same two teams four years in a row. Got the Cavs and Golden State. Look, I said it. I was wrong. I thought Boston was the better team. Obviously, LeBron's the best player on the planet. I thought Boston would win because they'd have a game seven at home. It went, game, it went seven games. LeBron just would not allow that team to lose. Wouldn't do it. And look, there is something to be said for experience. You know, young athletic talent is great. I prefer that over, you know, guys that are on the wrong side of 30 most of the time. But the, the bottom line is three of the, the Celtics' best young players, Terry Rozier, uh, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart, all had horrible game sevens. Rozier was two for 16. Smart was one for 10. Brown was five for 18. I mean, do the math. That's just wretched shooting. I think as a team, the Celtics shot 34%, 33%. No surprise, given those numbers I just gave you. And LeBron, look, he is playing on a, on a level right now. I mean, even in his quote-unquote prime, I mean, he's, he's 33, but obviously he's an old 33 because he came in the league at 18, so he's been doing this for 15 years. Although, I mean, nobody's in better shape than the guy. I mean, the guy's a physical marvel. We know this. He's like Carl Malone, Charles Oakley size with, like, Magic's, you know, playmaking ability. And, you know, he's a better shooter than Jordan ever was. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. The guy's incredible. He's just, it, 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 I mean, again, these people that try to make their living taking shots at this guy, I mean, you, you're just foolish. Eight years in a row now, he's in the finals. And he took a ragtag group in this current Cavaliers team and put them on his back and said, let's go, boys. We're getting there. I mean, what, 35, 12, and 9 in Game 7? He averaged 34 points a game, I think, uh, for, he, in the playoffs so far. He had monster games in, in the 40s, all with good shooting percentages. Shot over 50%, I think, almost every game. And the way he sees the court... Oh, and by the way, sorry, played all 48 minutes, too, in Game 7. I mean, it was clear early in that game 
he was not going to be able to come out of the game because nobody else in the Cavs was giving him any help early in that game. Finally, Jeff Green stepped up and gave him some help, and G.R. Smith made a couple of threes in the second half. But, I mean, again, you take LeBron off that team, they're the Knicks. But what he does... I mean, the, 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 his, his basketball IQ right now is unparalleled. I mean, you see him out there. He knows exactly when to attack. He knows exactly when to do iso ball and take guys down in the post and hit that fadeaway. He knows exactly when to start taking threes because he knows when he's hot and he makes those ridiculous threes like he did in game six. He knows exactly when to start getting the other guys involved in the game. I mean, his feel for the game and what to do at exact right moments is unparalleled. And I don't know that I've ever seen. I mean, look, Magic was an amazing playmaker. Bird was a great point forward. Right? Jordan was a great all-around player. None of those guys do what he does. Maybe Magic. Maybe. But Magic was not the scorer that LeBron is. In fact, Magic absolutely did that. But also, Magic played with, uh, hello, Kareem, one of the top ten players of all time. James Worthy. Byron Scott. I mean, a much better supporting cast than this current Cavaliers team is to LeBron. I mean, Jordan played with two Hall of... I mean, uh, Magic played with two Hall of Famers. Now, look, I'm not disparaging Magic. Magic was phenomenal. I mean, remember, he went and played center uh, his rookie year and, what, put up 40 and 15 or something like that? I mean, the guy's a tremendous player. Probably one of the top five players of all time. But I'm just saying, that, I'm saying that's how good LeBron is. I'm not doing this to take shots at Magic. So that's the other thing that everybody loves to do now, is we can't just appreciate what we're seeing. We have to compare everything to the past... And then disparage the current accomplishments by comparing them to the past, which is just silly. Oh, who's the GOAT? Who's the GOAT? Is there a dumber argument than that, by the way? I'm so sick of that. GOAT, of, of course, being greatest of all time. Oh, LeBron's not the GOAT because Jordan did this. Man, 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 man. I mean, please, who cares? So he's not the, even if you want to concede the argument that LeBron somehow is not the greatest of all time, okay, so he's the second greatest? Big deal. Eight finals in a row. And yes, they're not going to beat Golden State because Golden State's a much better team. But it's a hell of an accomplishment that he even got there. And if you're a Cavs fan, by the way, and a city that starved for a championship, and he brought you one two years ago, you're going to tell me this isn't, even if they lose, when they lose this series to Golden State, this wasn't one of the most fun rooting experiences of your entire life for any, Cav- for any Cavs team or any other Cleveland pros team, for that matter? you got to be out of your mind to not enjoy every single moment of this season. With this Cavs team and what LeBron has done. You know, we're focused way too much in this country on winning it all. And look, of course every fan wants their team to win a championship and multiple championships. Of course. I understand. It's pro sports. That's why they get paid. I get all that. But if that's your only barometer for success, you're going to be miserable. You know, I talked last week about that game in 84 that AG and I went to. Game three in, 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 in MSG against the Celtics. Look, the Knicks lost that series. you think I care now at 49 years old? It's one of my fondest sports memories of all time. Watching Kevin McHale miss critical foul shots and the Garden crowd exploding in joy and glee and strangers patting each other on the back. I mean, it's phenomenal. When I was a little kid and the Mets were 
awful. I was probably, I don't know, 11 years old. And I'm listening. It's a summer night. I'm in my bed listening on my little clock radio there on my nightstand next to my bed. And Mike Jorgensen, who was an up-and-coming prospect at one time for the Cardinals, the Mets were playing. I think they were playing the Cardinals. Maybe they weren't. No, I think it was actually against the Expos. Anyway, he had had an issue where he'd gotten hit in the head early in his career, and it really derailed his career. He was a very promising player early in his career. And the Mets got him. He was sort of on the downside of his career. Anyway, he had a big home run after a guy threw out his head, and he got up, and like the next pitch he hit, a, a, I think it was a walk-off home run. I sprung out of bed and ran into my parents' room to tell my dad, who was a big Mets fan, Mike Jorgensen just hit a, a game-winning home run. We didn't call them walk-offs in those days. I'll never forget that. That's like 35 years ago, longer. I'll never forget it. It was one of the great joys of being a fan of my life. And that Mets team probably won 70 games. Just enjoy what you're seeing. I mean, when the Lions beat the Cowboys in 91, both in the regular season and the playoffs that year, two of my fondest memories of all time. I mean, and, and the Lions, I mean, look, I don't understand. With the Lions, you got to pick and choose. I get it. But I'll go back. I mean, there, there was a game in a regular season that year where they beat Dan Marino and the Dolphins, and I knew that, that right then and there they had arrived because Ray Crockett made a diving play on fourth down and batted a ball away in the end zone. Every other year prior to that, the Lions lose that game. That year they won it. This was in 1991. I'll never forget that. So, yes, of course we all want our teams to win championships. But you got to enjoy the journey. Because, again, if that's the only barometer, then you're just going to be miserable. And that's why not. I'm not mad at the Mets because they're not winning championships. I'm mad at the Mets because they're a poorly run organization and they're a poorly run franchise and they're Mickey Mouse. You know, I can get behind a team that doesn't win a lot if they try to do things the right way. But when, you know, you're your own worst enemy half the time, and, 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 and the reasons behind it aren't even just sheer incompetence, but it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a lack of want to by ownership, it's tough to take. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show. As always, thanks for listening. You can check me out on SoundCloud, on iTunes, new uh, Facebook page, Jamal About Sports. We've got the website, jamalaboutsports.com. Uh, of course, also on Twitter, at JamalAboutSportNoS. Again, as you know, I am now multi-platform social media maven. All right, folks, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening. Peace out.